Hello and welcome to the Stuck Brain Podcast. All things mental health with a different approach. We look at the research, but we also discuss real life experience. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Stuck Brain Podcast. I am your host, Eric Osterland, and in this episode, I have a co-host named Pinky. She is a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. If you want to know more about her, you can go to the stuckbrainpodcast.com. Today's episode can be challenging and triggering for some individuals. We talk about real-life client stories. Please take care of your own mental health, and if you need resources, we will paste them on our show notes. I would like to take a moment to introduce our guests. Today we have Dave Dubois. He is a meditation teacher, psychedelic guide, and an integration coach. To find out more about Dave, please visit his website at radicalbalance.net. Hello, listeners, and thank you for joining us again today. We have a really great episode for you today where we will be talking about dissociation related to ketamine. Now, ketamine has been a new hot topic therapy that people have been discussing, and dissociation is something that occurs along with ketamine therapy. So today we want to talk about what dissociation is, whether it's necessary, and what research tells us about it. We're also going to welcome our guest speaker, Mr. Dave Dubois, to help discuss this very interesting topic today. Hi, Dave and Eric. Hi, Pinky. Hi, Eric. Really nice to be with you today. Very excited for the discussion. Yeah, thank you for being here. So, Dave, can you start us off by telling us what dissociation is? Sure. So, dissociation generally is a feeling of disconnection or space or distance from one's surroundings or one's self that can occur as a natural response to trauma. It's a way that dissociation has been understood and studied for a really long time in mental health and also can be induced through dissociative medicine like ketamine. And so, yeah, today we'll be talking about some of the the similarities and differences between the this kind of natural or maybe endogenous dissociation and the dissociation that can result from ketamine. Yeah, I think this is a pretty important topic because we get asked this a lot with clients using ketamine. The pharmaceutical company looks at dissociation as a side effect. Some people in the medical community see it as a positive. And the research is kind of in between. We don't really know what it is. And we're trying to kind of figure it out if it's a positive, if it's a negative. And I think there's different types, to be honest with you. And I think research will start teasing out the different types of dissociation. So it's an interesting topic. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Eric. Because ketamine is so new in the psychiatric industry, there is a lot of research supporting the use of ketamine for the relief of mental health symptoms, but not a lot of detailed research on the side effects and, and other various aspects of ketamine. So there there are studies that kind of conflict each other. There was one study done in 2015 that looked at data retrospectively and they compared 
dissociation scores with depression scores. And it and that study showed that there was an association between higher dissociation scores and lower depression scores. Now, you know, conversely, another study that was published around the same time made the exact opposite claim that dissociation scores were not associated with improved depression scores. So what what do you think? It, do you think there's more to that, Dave? Well, the thing that I really wonder, and I haven't seen any research on this, and if it's out there, I just, my searches haven't turned it up. I would really like to know if the brain regions, the brain activity and the brain connectivity in the type of dissociation that would happen in, say, post-traumatic stress response or in what would be diagnosed as dissociative identity disorder, if those are the same effects and the same regions and the same activities that ketamine is producing, though in a controlled and short-term way. I suspect that they're different, and and, and that's not based on any science, but the reason I suspect that they're different is because if you think about what happens in the case of trauma and dissociation, there is a, it's like things are being moved into the subconscious as a, as, as a coping mechanism. Right. They're being, I, I don't want to say suppressed, but they're, they're, they become not as available to conscious awareness as they previously had been. Whereas along with the dissociation that can occur with ketamine, it seems like information is being brought out of the subconscious through the actual experience of space or distance from one's past or emotions. So I would really like to see when we talk about and use the word dissociation in these two contexts, both having to do with mental health, are we talking about the same thing? I love that. I think as a community, we need to kind of define these two things because although they're similar, like you said, they're very different dissociation from a traumatic event is completely different than dissociation from a ketamine experience. And to lump them together, I think is doing the the industry, us mental health providers, a disservice. And I don't know if it's because they're in a positive spot when they're doing the ketamine versus being in a negative spot versus the trauma. I don't know the answer to that. I also wonder if there might be a difference between clients who have a history of trauma and PTSD versus clients who have strictly MDD. And it looks like, you know, the the limited studies that have been published regarding this subject are usually done with patients that have strict major depressive disorder, not necessarily PTSD. So I wonder if we took into account patients that have a history of trauma, what differences we would see in, in, in their scores. And those scores are from the CAD scale, or are you talking scores from Hamilton depression scale? Yeah, kind of both, or not nece- CAD's scale for sure, but not necessarily the Hamilton depression. Hamilton depression scale, but any scale measuring the severity of symptoms that the client is experiencing, whether it's anxiety, depression, or trauma symptoms. One of the studies that we looked at, Pinky Pinky and I looked at a while ago, was a small study, and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. They were trying ketamine to help with cocaine dependency, and there was only eight people in the study, but what I liked about it is they used the CAD scale, which is the clinician-administered 
dissociative symptom scale. But that one was designed for PTSD, right? It wasn't designed for a ketamine dissociation. But then they used the Hood's mystical scale. And that's a slightly different scale. That shows people have a feeling of connection to the universe, the web of life. They feel trusted. They feel accepted. Has a different sense of dissociation than the, the CADs. And the interesting thing was those individuals that had a higher mystical scale actually had a higher motivation to quit cocaine use, which was really interesting. So I think, and I want to talk about this, and I want to get your opinion, Dave, on this. And we've kind of talked about this outside of the podcast, so I want to bring it here. I think there's a correlation between setting intentions before you do the ketamine session and taking that dissociation and pushing it into a mystical experience. And if you're more likely to have a mystical experience, my feeling, which would follow, is that you're more likely to have a better outcome from ketamine. Would you agree with that, disagree, or what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I love this question. One of the things that I think makes it tricky to talk about this is that I think that the scales and the measures that we have that research is trying to understand between dissociation and mystical experience are, they're trying to be, they're rooted in physiology and biology and what's going on in the body. When we look at dissociation and mystical experience from more of a an experiential, perceptual point of view, they're, they're almost at times like different points on a single spectrum from ordinary experience to transcendence or, or transpersonal experience or something. And my hunch is that the reason intention seems to have so much of an impact on this is that whether you're talking about a loosening of your sense of self and a little bit more of a dissociative type thing or something more profound where where your sense of self is vanishing and a experience of connection is emerging both of those types of experience can be positive or negative they can be they can be you know salvific or terrifying depending on what your point of view is going into it and i think one of the things an intention does is it gives you a lens or almost a, a reference point in a certain way for relating to the changes that you're seeing. So if you're going in looking to understand some part of yourself and then you experience this disillusion or distance from yourself, it can be more tolerable or have more meaning or less fear-inducing because you're trying to understand how it relates to the intention that you're bringing into a particular ketamine session. Does that make sense? It does. And I think that does kind of clarify dissociation from a trauma because you're in an experience that you don't want to be in. And then if you're doing dissociation from ketamine, you're in an experience that you want to be in. And if you have a frame before you go in, it kind of helps I love that you mentioned setting and going into a dissociative experience. Can you talk to us a little bit more about set, setting, and intentions and what we can do to help set that up to have a positive or, or helpful dissociative experience? I think that one of the one of the first things is to reconnect with what has brought you to psychedelic medicine or dissociative medicine in the first place. What do you 
hope to learn about yourself? What do you hope to heal about yourself? What do you hope to change and transform in your daily life? And that reflecting on those questions and, and engaging in a type of self-inquiry before going into the experience, it's kind of like priming your, your inner environment for what is going to come up. It's almost like creating a landing place for any information or insights that emerge from your psyche. And so it can be really helpful in particular if, if, you're, if you're working with ketamine in a therapeutic context, you probably have a prescriber or a therapist or a guide who you're working with. And it's indispensable to communicate with them and, and check in on the intention that you're bringing into a session and reflecting on it the night before your session, reflecting on it the day of your session. And in particular, whether you're working with ketamine at home or in a clinic, there's just a lot of logistics to kind of get set up and into a ketamine session. And so it's really important once all those logistics have happened and are taken care of to reconnect with your intention right at the beginning of going into a ketamine session because, like I said, it really can focus the experience that you're having, in particular if your experience starts to take on a challenging or uncomfortable edge to it. It can feel like oh, this is challenging, but it's meaningful because it's connected to what I'm here to do and what I'm here to see, which may be difficult. I like that you mentioned that when I'm doing evaluations for clients for ketamine treatment, that's a very common question I get or common concern that what if I have a frightening experience? What if I have a bad trip? Or what if I experience something I feel I can't handle? How do you help clients prepare for that? I think that at its core, a bad trip or a challenging psychedelic experience, they can vary from person to person and medicine to medicine. But I think that one of the core features is a, a holding on to some kind of expectation or reference point or belief that is not moving in the same direction that the dynamic experience inside the psychedelic session is moving. It's kind of like the present moment and the session is going in the direction that it will go. And to the degree that you're holding on to some other idea, there's going to be a tension created between what you're expecting and what's actually happening. And that tension can lead to, I think, what is challenging or, or a bad trip with psychedelic medicine. The one interesting thing that I think sets ketamine apart from some of the others is that that very same description, which with psilocybin or LSD might produce a sort of traditional bad trip, in the case of ketamine sometimes can actually cause the experience to seem like it's not happening or not manifesting. That tension between expectation and what's actually happening doesn't always result in a, a challenging experience. It can result in things almost being shut down, like, like they're not taking place in the cognitive realm with the medicine. I usually tell clients, if they're having a hard time during the experience, like if something challenging comes up, don't run away from it, lean into it, 
right? And that's that's also from How to Change Your Mind, Michael Pollan's book too. So I agree with what he said, lean into the experience because the more you try to fight that, the more intense it gets. And I, I usually use an analogy to help split it to clients is that, you know, when children call you into a dark room and they say there's a monster in the closet, it looks like a monster. But as soon as you shine that flashlight on that area, it could be a pile of clothes, it could be whatever's underneath it, and it exposes it for what it is. And it, it takes away the power of that fearfulness. So part of, I think, dissociation is setting that intention and leaning into whatever comes up and just going with it instead of like what you were saying, Dave, trying to fight it and hold on to something else. Just lean into it and go with it. There's something so profound in what you're describing right now, I think, because if you think about the word psychedelic, what it means, mind manifesting, this thing that you're describing right now of what can happen when you're when you're holding on to something, when you're not surrendering to something, when you're taking an avoidance stance as opposed to an approach stance towards some difficult thing. So I would urge clients, because I, I have had clients come in to me and they've, they've gone to clinics where they're just all about the medicine. They don't do any prep. They don't do any integration. They don't do any intentions, nothing like that. And I've had clients even come from IV and try sublingual doses and because they set the intention and the set and setting ahead of time, they had a much more robust, profound experience. So if you're doing ketamine for anxiety, depression right now, and you're not getting that integration part or that set and setting ahead of time, I feel personally like you're missing part of the medication, right? The medication and the dissociation with it, I think, can be very positive if you set the stage appropriately ahead of time. And I wish there was more research on it, but that's just a gut feeling and, and that's what I'm noticing with most of my clients. What do you notice either of you with your clients at the beginning of this part of the conversation you were talking about having something become mystical, transcendent, meaningful in, in one's healing experience versus just uncomfortable? What have you two seen in terms of clients who you've worked with who have a well-structured or well-considered intention versus those who are just winging it? Can you, can you think of examples of times or, or patterns where you, you really just see intention leading to better experiences? Those individuals that just try to fit the session in, like in between grocery shopping and I had to take the kids to school and I had to fit it in and I'm rushing it because I just got to fit it in my busy schedule, have usually a worse outcome or it wasn't as profound or it was rushed. It was chaotic. Right. Those individuals that spend time and cut some time out of their day and say, this is about me. And, and I've said this multiple times. If just that act of saying today, these four hours, eight hours, whatever the amount is, is about me, just that fact is going to improve your outcome, right? Even if you didn't have the ketamine, even if you set once a week and said, I'm cutting these four hours out of my day for me because I deserve it, it's going to move the needle. And so then you add the ketamine to that, it seems to really have a synergistic impact and it's more powerful and you get more out of the experience. I've observed the same in my practice, definitely the pattern that Clients who carve out time specifically for the treatment and for themselves 
tend to have a higher success rate with ketamine therapy. So when I am seeing my clients, I usually counsel them to, like Eric said, carve out a period of time, whether it's four hours, six hours, eight hours, dedicate that to yourself and create a routine around your ketamine experience. I have clients who like to take a bath, light candles, you know, do yoga, meditate, try to get themselves in the right mindset so they can get the most out of their dissociative ketamine experience. Yeah. And I kind of want to piggyback on that. The more relaxed you go into your ketamine session, and this is with ketamine, I can't speak for psilocybin, LSD, ayahuasca, but with ketamine, you can use a lower dose if you bring your nervous system down. So let me give you an example. If you were being chased by a bear, your nervous system would be through the roof, right? I could give you all the ketamine in the world and it's only going to knock it down a notch, right? If you can bring that nervous system down before you go into a ketamine experience, like what Pinky said, lukewarm baths, you know, setting up your space, you can actually take a lower dose and get that experience. We would see that all the time in the ER. Somebody would come in super panic. We would need a lot higher of a dose of either ketamine or whatever medication we're going to give them to bring them down a notch. So that nervous system, if you can take care of that ahead of time, you get a better better response to the ketamine. I like that you mentioned that. This is also true with during the duration of therapy. For example, when I first see clients who have never had a ketamine experience before, they may require a little bit of a higher dose to achieve that dissociation. And as they go through their journey of the ketamine treatments, a lot of them experience a relief of symptoms and they'll come back to me and say, hey, Pinky, I think my dose is too high. Like, I'm not getting any introspection. I feel like I'm on rocket fuel. It's total chaos. And we actually have to lower the dose because their symptoms have improved and they are in a better place in life. And that lower dose helps them achieve the type of dissociation and meet their intentions that they're intending to meet. I think with dissociation, I'm glad you said that because with therapeutic dissociation, I think you need to have some brain online, like super high levels of ketamine doses. Just know the individual and it's like you're preparing them for surgery. They don't remember anything. Right. So the the lowest dose we can give them to get that experience, I think, is a good outcome for most clients. And I think this is helpful when talking about how do you experientially work with dissociation inside of a ketamine experience like what does it allow you to do how do you take advantage of the fact of it and i would say experientially if you can the thing that you were talking about turning towards something eric that my experience and when i talk to clients during integration there is some kind of ability as the dissociative properties of ketamine start to take effect, to be closer and learn more and tolerate and almost be in a different relationship with parts of your experience that would ordinarily kind of send you into fight or flight mode. That a memory or a traumatic event from your past or even a a current stressor that might just you know, send you into a panic attack outside of a ketamine experience upon just even thinking of it might be like a whole park that you could go for a walk through and start to discover things about your emotional state and that experience. It, it just, it can open up a whole 
realm of, I would almost use the word intimacy that you can have with your experience that the, that the dissociation can allow. And, and I think that your likelihood of, of experiencing that possibility and openness, yes, it has everything to do with how well you've you've prepared yourself and set your intention beforehand, which, as you said, Eric, can even really have to do almost with just the fact of the time that you're setting aside to do it. Yeah, and I think you hit something important there. Dissociation, you can use that to work with the trauma. And I'll give you a client story. I think this illustrates kind of what we're talking about. So she experienced a traumatic event. She witnessed a loved one shoot another loved one in front of her. And she went to EMDR for many, many years. And she felt like there was this memory she just couldn't get past, right? She could think of the actual, you know, when the gun went off and everything. But there was a memory in there that she couldn't get to. She did her first ketamine session and she had that dissociation. And she felt like she was floating in a pool of the person's blood. But before that freaks anybody else out, because it, it seems intense to me, she said, you don't understand. I felt like I was in a womb. I felt like I was loved. I felt comforted. And I can actually think of the event. And she came back and she said, I, now I remember the memory that I couldn't get past. It was the blood that was getting on her. She couldn't get away from that, right? And that was the hard memory. Due to the ketamine and I believe the dissociation from it, she was able to look at that stuff outside of her body but not have that deep visceral reaction to it. And I think that's, I think that's why dissociation is important with ketamine. Like I don't want to develop a new medication that gets rid of that because I think that was really cathartic for her and kind of a place to start in her recovery from it, right? Because now she can think of these hard memories and not have that deep visceral fight or flight sympathetic response that she normally would have had. Yeah, that's a great example. And I think that's where ketamine is just so helpful and therapeutic is it puts us in a mindset to be able to separate ourselves from those feelings and experiences and look at it from a different point of view and not feel as judgmental towards ourselves and what we've been through, which, which aids in the healing process. As of right now, we, from a science community standpoint, we don't know if dissociation is necessary or not. My belief, and this is just what I've seen, is I feel that dissociation is an important part of the ketamine experience. I think it needs to be nurtured by setting intentions ahead of time because then you can push it more into possibly a mystical experience or like what Dave said, if it becomes challenging, you can see how it works with your intention that you set ahead of time. The research is kind of lacking. And I think this is based off of two reasons. One, we haven't clearly defined the difference between ketamine dissociation and trauma dissociation. And the scales that we use aren't really set up for those. You know, the CAD scale is set for trauma. It's not set for ketamine dissociation. Hood's mystical scale is kind of more, I would say, set more for psilocybin, LSD, ayahuasca type experience. So I, I think from here, that's where we need to go. What do you guys think? I 
agree. I think that, you know, again, like I said earlier, ketamine is still new to the industry. So I think, you know, with research and hopefully at some point or another, people will develop a new scale that's specific to ketamine and the dissociation and mystical experiences associated with ketamine. And that'll give clinicians and therapists and people, other providers working with ketamine, it'll give us a better perspective on how to help clients through their ketamine journey. Yeah, I think that you're both right. There's still just a lot to learn. We still don't really definitively know are the dissociative effects of ketamine responsible in the same way for the antidepressant effects of ketamine, or are there two different networks and two different phenomena happening there? Can you can they be decoupled? How does that actually work? And a lot of what we've been talking about with dissociation is happens even through, say, meditation. I've heard each of you talk about the effects of meditation of giving you some space from your thoughts and some space from your emotions. That's very similar to some of the types of effects of dissociation we're talking about with this medicine. So I really do think that it is a bit of a qualitatively different type of experience and that it's it's variable in in how it can show up for somebody ranging from challenging to helpful and therapeutic and and that that does have a lot to do with how you frame your intention i would like to also mention to individuals that have done ketamine let's say in a clinic and they didn't spend any time with intentions or talking about what can happen if you had that challenging experience and then you never went back to ketamine i wouldn't throw ketamine out right I would look at it again, but I would spend more time preparing ahead of time. Because I've, I've had clients that they said, I took ketamine once and it was the most, it was super intense, it was super scary. And that's because they probably didn't set intentions around it ahead of time. I would suggest to possibly relook at it and give it some thought ahead of time before you do it. Thank you, listeners, for joining us again today. We would love to welcome you to drop in a comment if you would like to share anything about your ketamine dissociative experiences or if you have some thoughts, feedbacks, or suggestions about what we've discussed here today. Thank you for listening in. Once again, thank you for listening to our podcast. And those of you that have taken time to leave reviews and contact us through Instagram, thank you. You can see the show notes at stuckbrainpodcast.com. You can also visit us on Instagram at stuckbrainpodcast, and you can leave what topics you want to hear next.